Well, if you own any Apple products, even if you don't, you'll want to hear this next guest that we have joining us. I do want to quickly get to a text we had from Eric in Carstairs, Alberta, in Carstairs, rather. Um, can we send LNG to the US to go to Germany, Europe, for instance? Uh, which is an interesting question because that seems logical, right? Of course, part of the problem that we have in this country is we don't have the pipeline capacity really to send a lot more natural gas uh, to the US. And the US, as Christian was pointing out, is also sending a whole lot of LNG right now, liquefied natural gas, to Germany or to Europe, uh, almost all of it right now. So they're operating at full capacity. Um, so no matter how high prices go, the US can't produce any more LNG right now, let alone uh, do it for us. So I guess really the answer here is that we need more LNG producing capacity, but it takes a while to, while to build as we see with the one that's being built here in BC at, the, at this point in time, that it is a long process in this country. So uh, thanks for the text, Eric. That was a good point. Um, I looked it up. I'm not an expert on this, but I, I read about it a lot. So that was my instinct that we, we just we don't have the capacity to send the natural gas uh, to the states. And right now, the Americans don't have the capacity to liquefy and ship it either. So uh, there's a bit of basically it's in Canada. We just can't get it to where it needs to go for the time being. Back to Apple products. Apple has disclosed a serious security vulnerability or vulnerabilities for iPhones, iPads, Macs, and others that could potentially allow attackers to take complete control of these devices. Apple released two security reports about the issue on Wednesday. Um, apparently, it means you could get hackers could get full admin access to the device that would allow intruders to impersonate the device's owner and subsequently run any software in their name. Here's ABC's Derek Dennis with a bit more of an explanation. Apple is telling customers to update their devices immediately out of concern hackers could strike the company finding a vulnerability in its operating systems that gives hackers the ability to take control of a device, install an arbitrary code with, quote, maliciously crafted web content. The vulnerability affects iPhones dating back to the 6S model through current models, as well as the iPad 5th generation and later, the iPad Air 2 and later, the iPad Mini 4 and later, all iPad Pro models plus the 7th generation iPod Touch. Derek Dennis, ABC News. Well, when we have these sorts of issues and we're trying to figure them out, we like to call on Carmi Levy, technology analyst and journalist who always seems to have some good answers. Uh, Carmi, uh, hello and thanks for taking some time on a Friday night. Great to be here, Ben. I think I spent most of the day updating all of my Apple devices to make sure we are okay here at <laughs> the home office as well. My phone hasn't stopped ringing. Yeah, I, as soon as I got your email sort of explaining how you saw this, I, I immediately remembered to update mine as well. Uh, so what is going on? You had uh, you had some some concerns. You, you looked at this actually as two vulnerabilities, I believe. Yeah, so the uh, you know, Apple released two reports as the uh, your initial introduction said, and one of them one of those uh, vulnerabilities targets what's called the kernel of the operating system. The kernel is basically the the core of it, the very center. And so essentially if uh, if there's a weakness there and a malevolent actor or a cyber attacker or cyber criminal gains access to the kernel, they can essentially do whatever they want. They can act as you, uh, which basically means they can install malware, install, install spyware, uh, install a keylogger, uh, launch uh, cyber attacks from your device to make it look like they come from you. Essentially, they've got the keys to the kingdom. And the other, the second vulnerability targets what's known as WebKit, which is Basically, the, it's the core software that drives the Safari browser. And, of course, the Safari browser is 
Well, we all use browsers all the time, and that is obviously core to your experience using your iPhone, iPad, or Mac. And that can basically do the same thing within the browser environment, essentially allow uh, a bad actor in to do all sorts of nasty things. And so, you know, these kinds of vulnerabilities are as serious as they get. Anytime uh, there is a weakness in the very center of the operating system, that is uh, it's not at the perimeter, it's not tertiary, it's not at the edge, it's right in the middle. And from a technology perspective, uh, basically that's when the red lights and the alarm bells start going off. Uh, it's not something that you can afford to wait to resolve. You need to resolve it now because you're incredibly vulnerable. Right. So really the impetus now, I mean, Apple has certainly been quite clear. If you happen to own a device, this is available right away. They've been pretty clear about sounding the alarm. But of course, a lot of people just ignore the updates because you get them often, right? You know, update to a new, often they're, you know, they're not that major, but this one, uh, clearly people should be uh, hightailing it to, to make sure that the update is done. Very much so. And, you know, I, th- I think today is a good reminder that we don't take this aspect or this facet of security seriously enough. And we really should. Uh, we do tend to say, ah, you know what, I'll, I'll get to it later. It's really not that big of a deal. Who would want to target me? You know, there's really nothing on my device that anybody would be interested in. But the truth of the matter is we're all potentially targetable. And we literally cannot afford to wait. And I mean, I was literally telling people in the middle of meetings first thing this morning, stop what you're doing now. Even if you're, if you're on the, the Microsoft Teams meeting right now on your iPhone, just get off the meeting and update the software. Do not wait because the, essentially what it is, is as long as that vulnerability exists, and that's why Apple moved so quickly, we are all uh, you know, at risk of being compromised. The instant you apply the update, you basically slam the door shut in the face of a cyber attacker. Um, and, and it isn't just that they're targeting specifically you. Uh, they can use scripts to target large swaths of people. So they, they don't even know you and they're still targeting you. But of course, if you update it, you take the 10, 15, 20 minutes to do the, each device in your inventory, you instantly render yourself a lot safer. You wouldn't leave your door, your, the front door of your house wide open uh, for someone to rob you in the middle of the night. Basically, that's the equivalent in an electronic sense. You want to close that door quickly. And what would it look like? I mean, I was just trying to, you know, I obviously I've read all the articles about it today. I was just trying to picture what hijacking a device would look like and what it would be used to do. You did touch on it, but, you know, I, I was trying to imagine it. And it's tough to imagine um, what that might look like. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I, I always use the library analogy. You know, how many times, and, you know, anyone who's ever studied in school has you know, studied in a library, and you sit there with a computer in the middle, in the middle of the library, and eventually you've got to go, maybe you have to use the washroom, maybe you've got to go find another book or use the photocopy machine, whatever it is, and you leave your laptop there. So what, what this is like is it's like a stranger sitting down at your laptop, and they can basically be you. They have access to everything, every file that you've ever created, all of your usernames and passwords, all of your messaging inboxes. They can send messages as you. They can pretend to be you. They can siphon your data. They can access all of your contacts. Um, they can track your usernames and your passwords, or they can basically do some nasty things to other people before you get back. So you wouldn't leave your laptop unlocked in the middle of a library when you're away from it. You wouldn't want to leave your device unupdated either. It's essentially the same thing. This is rare for Apple. I was trying to think back that, um, I mean, often Apple has built itself, its reputation on the fact that its security is good and these things don't mm-hmm. happen often, but they're not alone. Obviously, you, you pointed out that uh, that this happened to them this time, but but all, everyone's vulnerable to some extent. 
That's right. You know, Google, Microsoft, Samsung, any device, any operating system, any browser, any app, any piece of software. If you think about it, these things are built out of millions of lines of code. So there's no way that at any one time we can know every last weakness in there. In other words, Sometimes some researcher out in the middle of nowhere is just going to stumble upon something and then they'll advise Apple. That's what happened in this case. And so when these vulnerabilities become apparent, that's when companies like Apple or Microsoft or Google or Samsung or others will swing into action. Their engineers will create a patch or a fix or an update, and then they'll roll it out, which is what happened here. So, you know, I think what we need to do is recognize that, yes, Apple has a well-deserved reputation for security. They are, they put huge amounts of resources into it. Compared to their competitors, they tend to turn these things around faster, more comprehensively. Security fixes are available more quickly for more devices. They're easier to implement, all that good stuff. It's why I use a lot of that technology in my own solution, among all the other things that I use. Um, but at the same time, there's no such thing as 100% uh, secure. In other words, Apple is good. In some respects, it's better. It's not perfect. And so you and I still have an accountability. We still have to make sure you have to know where to go in the settings to see where, what version of software we have. We have to always make sure that we've got the latest version of everything. And so if you're running a Windows machine, you have to know where to go in Windows to update the browser, update Windows, update all your key pieces of software. If you're running an iPhone, same thing. If you're running an Android device, same deal. We need to take that time. We need to raise our game when it comes to maintaining our devices to make sure they're as secure as possible. And it's basically a partnership between us and the companies that we buy the technology from. Yeah, they're essentially saying, "Listen, we'll lock your door for you. You just have to. You just have to. <laughs> you just have to be there to pull it closed." Um, just a quick reminder to listeners: this covers quite a wide uh, array of Apple products, does it not? And they should really just update. That's the solution. Exactly. And, you know, the, the list that the reporter ran through in the report that you shared before, essentially it applies to every iPhone, iPad, Mac uh, that is currently eligible for updates. And so Apple always has a list of, uh, you know, modern devices that are eligible for updates to the operating system. It usually lasts about five or six, in some cases, seven years. So as long as your device is still getting updates, and so if it's an iPhone, it's from the iPhone 6S and more and up to up till the current uh, sort of date uh, then it applies to you if it's an older device you still need to make sure that it has the latest version available to that device you owe it to yourself to go into your system settings to double check what is your device and does it have the latest software and if it does not you just hit the uh, the, the software update button it's right there it's impossible to miss on any apple device and it'll do it for you and then when you're done uh, make sure that the auto update there's a toggle um, make sure that that is activated so that going forward, it'll do this all automatically in the background for you. You won't have to worry about it. Technology analyst and journalist Carmi Levy is with us this half hour. We've been talking about uh, some protections or at least some vulnerabilities in Apple devices that the company announced this week that you can uh, protect yourself from simply by accepting and updating your devices. Uh, Carmi was saying how important it is to do that. Now on to something that's still uh, somewhat controversial, uh, but in a different vein. Uh, this week, uh, uh, New York State Representative uh, Elise Stefanik, who's a uh, Republican, has called for the end of the ArriveCan app. So has the Buffalo News newspaper saying it's not working and it's hurting both economies. We know all about the border issues around the ArriveCan app, but there are technology and privacy issues 
as well that are raising concern that we've talked about a little bit. Uh, Karma, you've, you've been a bit, as you pointed out, a bit doubtful about the technology from the get-go, uh, which sometimes happens when governments embark on these. I'm thinking of the Phoenix Pay system. Um, but now it feels like they want it to stay, and somehow a lot of the problems with it haven't been refined yet. Exactly. I mean, here's an app that was introduced in uh, November of 2020, ostensibly to you know, control our borders, make it uh, a lot easier for border officials at land and air uh, transit points to, to monitor traffic coming in and make sure that people who came in uh, to the country, traveled internationally, were in fact vaccinated and that, you know, Canadians were protected. So, I mean, in the terms of, you know, in terms of this being an emergency measure during a, a, you know, a period of national and global crisis, it made a lot of sense. We kind of cut the government some slack saying, do what you need to do to keep us safe. Um, but it almost feels like, uh, you know, income tax during the First World War, which was also supposed to be a temporary wartime emergency measure. And magically, we still have it now over a century later. And that's kind of what this feels like now is that here we are. The pandemic, of course, is not over, but we are well into it. Um, and now the government seems to be shifting gears, basically, you know, sort of dropping hints that this app is not going to disappear when the pandemic is behind us. That, in fact, they're they're on to something and they want to use it as a, an electronic tool to streamline cross-border travel um, and address some of the, the backlogs that we've been seeing at major Canadian airports. Sounds like a great excuse, but that's not what we were originally sold. Um, and essentially, it looks like a massive data grab by the government. Um, and, and, you know, I, I would even go so far as to say it's kind of fraud, been fraudulently sold to Canadians. You told us it was one thing. Now you're saying it's another. Um, you know, at what point do we actually hear the truth? And of course, in these cases, when they're going to ask for a lot of personal information, now we always understand that when crossing borders, um, you you know you do uh, cede a lot of your rights to sort of protect your own information. Uh, but at the same time, these are Canadians coming home a lot of the time. Uh, we are giving up a lot of data, and we're not quite sure what they're doing with it at this point. I don't think. Yeah, the lack of transparency around the data collection and the data sharing of the ArriveCan app has been a concern since day one. Is, is, you know, how much data does the government necessarily need to soak up from us in order to facilitate safe travel or safe crossing across an international border back into Canada? Uh, there is no answer to that because the truth of the matter is Canada is the only country that's using an app like this in this way. Um, you know, uh, Australia is using a, a similar app for, for sort of, you know, tr for, uh, for other aspects of travel, as is the, the EU implementing something less aggressive as of next year. But neither one of them goes as far as Arrive can. And the government has been really sort of hesitant to share with us, okay, where does all the data go? Uh, does it get shared with other departments? Uh, how is it used? Um, and uh, who has access to it uh, as, a, as a Canadian citizen? I think I deserve to know. And I think, you know, if, when we install a commercial app, uh, we make those decisions, right? We, we install it. It tells us what it's accessing on the device. And it's up to mm -hmm. us to give it that permission as a precursor to actually using the app. Well, the same thing should apply to a non-commercial government-issued app, but Canadians don't have a choice. If you want to travel internationally and then come back to Canada, you got to use it, even if the terms of that data sharing and data collection are somewhat nebulous. This isn't the way it's supposed to happen, and the government needs to do better. I only have about 20 seconds, Carmi. Scrap it, go back to the drawing board, or fix it? Yeah, you know what? I would say scrap it, because no other jurisdiction is using an app like this. I'm not quite sure why Canada needs to. Um, essentially, we're exposing more of ourselves electronically to our government than any other citizens in the world, and we still don't understand why this deep into the pandemic. 
Carmi Levy, thank you so much. Uh, have a great weekend. Thanks for your time tonight. Appreciate it, Ben. Thank you.